Omagyanatimirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Yenatasme Sri Gurave Namaha Vandeshi Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sorito Gorodai Pushpavanto Chitro Sandotumonudo He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopisha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostude Tapta Ganjana Gurangi Radhe Vrindavanishwari Prashabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Shri Guri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai Hari Nam Prabhu Ki Jai Nam Sanketan Ki Jai so, we're continuing our discussion of Shikshastakam as it appears in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, a great emperor of the Bhakti Shastras, authored by Sri Krishnadas Kaviraj Gosami. Sri Krishnadas Kaviraj Gosami Mahashai Ki Jai. So, this morning we discuss the verses that uh, describe Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's speaking with Rai Ramananda and Srup Damodar. This is again deep, very deep within his spiritual uh, life, uh, unfolding, if you will, uh, experience, uh, appearing as he does as uh, as a devotee, going through various stages of development. This is Antilila and this is the last chapter of the Antilila. Here we find the madness of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Difficult to understand. What is it said about that? Visha Njale Bitare Anandamoy. The Krishna Prem Radbhuta Charit. The character, the wonderful character of Krishna Prem uh, is uh, Visha, uh, how do you say poison? Uh, Visha Nale. Uh, inside, outside, it looks like poison. Inside, it is full of ananda, joy, just the opposite of material life. Out, inside, outside, it looks good, but inside, it's the heart is breaking. So Mahabhu outside was very frightening, especially here in Antilila. So many uh, ecstatic symptoms multiplied thousands of times, the likes of which had never been seen before, which speaks to us of the wisdom and the insight of the Goswamis who could identify that what other people termed epilepsy, madness, uh, some type of uh, uh, pitavayu Im- imbalance in his in his system, something very unappealing, undesirable. After all, weeping all the time, perspiring blood and things, very shocking. Um, they uh, understood this to be the essence of all the revealed scriptures. And they demonstrated that through their writings. Very extraordinary contribution. How we are indebted to them. This thing just happening. Uh, life uh, in uh, a moment in the life, an important moment in the life of the Absolute. Uh, they were there to witness and record it and explain it to us. So they could take advantage. I've said before, like a great waterfall, you know, in... Uh, my country, we had the famous Niagara Falls. It's very huge waterfall. Maybe the biggest in the world, I don't know, but very staggering. To, you have to keep a distance from that. But uh, and in awe. But Mahabhu's ecstasy was like that. They took that and turned it into a lake that we could drink from, bathe in, and, and take advantage of through their literature. This is the first form, if you will, soft form of the institutionalization of the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the form of writing, that again, we might take advantage of it. So, deep within that uh, 
ocean of ecstasy. Now, he's speaking only with Rai Ramananda and Sarup Dhamma. They're his most confidential devotees. They understand his madness. Of course, Rup Sanatana, they are not here at the time. They're in Vrindavan. And he's speaking to them about what? Sri Krishna Sankirtan. And now his, his whole Leela has been recorded. And the purpose of his whole Leela is what? In, with, in relation to ourselves. is to show us the means of uh, entering into the heart of that Leela, which is the Vrindavan Leela. From the Kirtan in Navadvipa Chivas, Thakur's house, to his traveling and preaching widely, to his uh, bhajan inner life, beginning with the Santi Leela in Puri, living in a small room as he did, the Gambira. Maybe some of you have been to Jagannath Puri and seen that room. It's about... I don't know, maybe eight feet square or something like that. Concrete room. I don't even know if it has a window on it. Uh, I don't think so. Hmm. One window? You think so? Might have been put in later. (laughs) Anyway, very small room, but a big idea he had. It doesn't require much. We don't require much facility for Krishna consciousness. It's a huge idea. So spacious so broad, so accommodating. Physical body is only so accommodating. We could not carry all the things in this room out with us in one attempt. Mind above the physical is more broad and spacious and accommodating. In our mind, we could take everything with us if we exercise it. Above mind is intellect, more broad, more spacious. With the good exercise of intellect, we can come to the shore of the ocean of truth. And to enter into that, the world of the soul, Brahman, and Vaikuntha, becoming more and more spacious, more and more accommodating. Brahman is accommodating, it's free from any material misery. But Vaikuntha is friendly, so accommodating in another way, making it more broad. Not just a peaceful place to rest, but friendly dealings as well. You see, it becomes more spacious. I mean, even if you only have a small place but you're with someone you love, then it's big. This way, why couldn't they even bigger? And Krishna's Golok and the Braj of Golok in particular is all affectionate. Their affection completely rules. So everything, all these planes are contained within the Brajalila. Such a broad and accommodating idea, Mahaprabhu is tasting that and the very essence of that. And as I say, living in a very tiny, small stone room, we need so much facility just to chant one round. (laughs) So many things will have to be in place for us. We try to catch what is the idea of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then. Well, we won't need much. We can live in that. It is so accommodating, so... Comforting. After all, at any rate, what, 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 how much comfort will there be in whatever we can create with our effort here in this world? As soon as you erect it, it's begun to decay, whatever it is. However big your house, however comfortable. Bhakti Saraswati Thakur was opened many moths, maybe 64 moths. That's quite an accomplishment. But he also told his disciples more than once, I didn't come to this world to be a carpenter just to build buildings, to, to make a place, a comfortable place to live. These are for, for the sake of spreading Krishna consciousness. And after one of the buildings became a little too comfortable, he said, that Bhagavazar Mat, the famous marble Mat, which is a big thing in those days. These are people living in the jungle practically, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, living in Mayapur, with the Bengali, Bengal tigers and so forth to come to the big city, Calcutta, and have a marble temple. Well, it doesn't sound as much to us now, but it was a big thing in those days. It became a little too comfortable. And what did he say? I remember my Guru Maharaj Prabhupada once came to Los Angeles, uh, which he called New Dwarka. It was very... Uh, well, it was an appropriate name, given given the place and uh, all that went on there. But at any rate... Um, that when I was a young man living in the temple, it was a smaller 
part of the building, and then years later, the person in charge changed that, and there was a big hall that, that had pews in it. It was an old church, and he turned the hall into the temple, which was bigger, and, and he spent a lot, a lot of money on it, a lot of marble and nice, uh, what do you call it? murals in the ceiling and whatnot of Krishna Leela. So maybe some of you have been there. It's a big, big temple room where they now have a little museum. They call it the Fate Museum. That is where the temple used to be when I was there. At any rate, this was about 1975 that they did this. And Prabhupada came there, <laughs> and then he sat on this Vyasa son and gave a lecture, and he said, so my groomers told that he was not very fond of building temples. <laughs> and he said, if you ever get money, print books, and he emphasized like this. Later, he appreciated it, of course, to a greater extent, but he wanted to warn us, don't become comfortable. Don't think this is just about building nice places to live. Try to catch the idea, the spirit of that. There's so much contained within the literature. I encourage my disciples to try to live within these books. That's how I spent my life, most of my life, living out of a bag that you could put books in to sell. And when they were empty and you wanted to go to another place, you could put the amount of things that you needed to live with inside the same bag and go to the next place. And I was a, a, a book distributor in uh, Iskon. That was my life. So <coughs> we need some facility, no doubt, for spreading Krishna consciousness. These things are the buildings, the moths, ashrams, or for like raising a flag to let people know something important is going on here. Um, they will need this, that to, to, identify, to identify, to recognize. But we should have a good understanding of the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What was the, what is the siddhanta? What is the feel, and what is the feeling behind it that fuels it, and so forth? Uh, this will not go away if you embrace this. This will not go away if the institution crumbles, the buildings fall. Other devotees leave, whatever may be the case. I've seen so many things like this, and maybe you have too. This will remain. So, here Mahaprabhu, in this place, in Puri, living as he did in a little stone room, such a big idea, now he begins to speak about that big idea, that in one sense, his whole Leela is about to teach us. From as I say, leaving the Kirtan in Navadvip, Hariharai Nama Krishna Yadavai Namaha, doing Sankirtan amongst the people and going traveling widely, ending up in Puri, doing his bhajan, now at the final stage of his bhajan, what his whole life has been about with regard to it being an instruction to all of us in his Acharya Leela as to how to enter into the Vrindavan Leela. He speaks about to Roy Ramananda and Surabdhamana in eight verses. Here the whole Leela is contained because, as we mentioned this morning, the means to attain it, the, mean, the, the, the type of sadhana and bhajan uh, uh, by which it will be attained is all discussed here. So, we've come to the point now, Mahaprabhu is uttering the first of his famous verses. Cheto darpanam arjanam bhava mahadabhagani nivrapanam chandrikavataranam vidyabhadhu jivanam Anandam buddhi bardanam, patipadam puram ritasvadanam, sarvatmas napanam param vijayate, Sri Krishna sankirtanam. So here, Mahaprabhu, Sri Chaitanya Dev, he says to us, yeah, he has here trumpeted, if you will, the glories of Sri Krishna sankirtanam. And so there are, this verse has two primary purposes. One, to trumpet the glories of Sri Krishna Sankirtan. What will be the result of that? If the glories of Sri Krishna Sankirtan are uh, spoken of, which they are manifold and far-reaching, of course he's spoken about them in a particular way here, the unfolding result of participating in Sri Krishna Sankirtan. 
What, what will be the result of hearing this? The result of hearing this will be Shraddha. We'll get faith. If we hear about such a wonderful thing, all the glories of Sri Krishna Sankirtan, we'll think, why should I do anything else? Let me simply engage in Sri Krishna Sankirtan. So this is the purpose, and one purpose of the first verse. And the second purpose of it is to speak in a cryptic way about uh, the various stages of devotion that will uh, be the result of participating in Namsan Kirtan, all of which are explained in greater detail in the balance of Shikshastakam's seven verses. Those stages are beginning, Shraddha, then Sadhusanga, Shraddha, as I mentioned, Parambijayate, Shri Krishna Sankirtan. By trumpeting the glories of Shri Krishna Sankirtan, faith should be awakened. Sadhu Sangha, which is the next stage, and I, of course, spoken before, some of you may have heard, how all of these stages of development are really a development of Shraddha, of faith. First Shraddha, then Sadhu Sangha. Sadhusanga is implied in the very idea of Sankirtan, which um, is an uh, advocacy of uh, chanting in unison with others. The next stage is uh, Bhajanakriya, the um, uh, devotional practices, the result of which is the next stage, Anartanivriti, unwanted things are uprooted. Then Nishta, Firm faith, ruchi, a taste, asakti, attachment, end of sadhana bhakti, then we enter into bhava bhakti, and the, from the cultivation of bhava bhakti, prem bhakti. These are the stages. These are outlined in Rupa Goswami's Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu in two verses. And uh, Sri Vishwanath Chakrabhitaka has also written a book uh, more extensively describing these these stages. But they are also found here, as I say, in uh, Shikshastaka of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and in a cryptic way, here in the first verse. He says, Cheto Dharpanam Arjanam. Cheto Dharpanam Arjanam means to cleanse the heart. And I'll go over these only briefly because, as I say, the following seven verses uh, explain them in, in greater detail. So, um, cleansing of the heart, this speaks of the, uh, the bhajana kriya, the, the, the kind of spiritual practices and the spirit of spiritual practice that will remove unwanted things in the heart. When our bhajana kriya, our devotional practices, are very um, sincerely executed with uh, determination, as if this is our life, like this is our meal. We can say more, this is our medicine, because we are a little sick, we cannot appreciate the taste, so this is our medicine, we have to take it. Then gradually unwanted things, anarthas, will come out of the heart. Baba Mahadavagani speaks of then one half of the equation of liberation. Mahadavagani means the world, the bhava. The world is, is like a great uh, uh, forest fire, like a great fire. We're burning up in a fire of desire. So to extinguish that, this is Baba Mahadavagani. This is one half of the equation. It means to retire those... Um, desires and unwanted things, anarthas, that are getting in the way of our practice, to the extent, at least, that they don't hinder us any longer in our practice. This brings us to the next stage where something positive is coming. Removal of the negative is one thing one half of the equation. Shreya Kairabha Chandrika, 
means like moon's soothing rays, moon rays, chandrika, coming uh, in our heart. So something positive. It may be thought of and it has by our predecessor or charges in different ways, but to follow the idea that these all um, speak of the uh, correspond with the stages of development, we can say that in a that positive some positive attainment begins with ruchi, tangible positive attainment. This is the stage in which uh, liking it's no longer medicine, now it's food. Before I had no appetite, but I knew in my head I should eat. Otherwise I'd die. Otherwise I have no life. So we've understood intellectually, I should do this. This is what life is about. Without this, I'm a walking dead person only. Still, I have no real appetite for it. And no real real uh, necessity for it. I have a necessity, but I haven't understood that. I'm thinking, yeah, the other rooms in the house are burning, but this one hasn't gone up in flames yet. <laughs> I can still stay for a while. It's kind of warm. <laughs> Not so bad. And what's out there? There are no walls. That's a fact. In spiritual life, no walls. Everything whole as all where are we going? Where will, what will become of us? We are accustomed to having our, wanting to have our feet on the ground and thinking we'll get some security t- from that. Hmm? Some things to grab onto. Nothing to hold on to there. What Krishna will Krishna Nam will do to us? Where he will take us? We cannot say. What will become of us? We are like ice, and we will become like water. What is the difference between ice and water? Ice can cool water. <laughs> That's about all. Water can do so many things. It can make electricity. <laughs> you can drink it. You can bathe with it. You cannot live without it. <coughs> it is so different in its potential from ice. Similarly, our life as a soul is so different, categorically different from what we know it to be now. What possibilities lie there? It's exciting, but somewhat disconcerting at the same time to think of just going there. Because we are so much attached to our present sense of identity and we're getting some false sense of security from that. Like I say, something to hold on to. It may not be much, but it's me. <laughs> no, me has to, that I has to disappear. And for the I to disappear, the mine has to disappear. Because as I said this morning, my I is based on my sense of mine. So, let go of all these things. Krishna says, Bhoktaram Jagatapasam Sarvaloko Maheshwaram. I'm the supreme enjoyer. I, everything belongs to me. The ramifications of that, as we, if we hear it, are nothing for my enjoyment, nothing for me to own, to possess, nothing. What kind of idea is this that I'm to sign on to? What will be left of me? But then what does he say? Suridam sarva bhutanam knatvamam shantimrachati Bhagavad Gita, end of the fifth chapter. If you accept it, I am the enjoyer, I am the owner. Nothing for you. Sign on as my slave. Then you become my friend. Suhridam. Suhridam means like a well-wishing friend. Suddenly, from nothing, you become the friend of the one who owns everything, enjoys everything. What is your position then? So meaningful, so tangible, so uh, important. I'm the intimate friend of this one. So, the idea is charming, but to actually go there, oh, that is a little difficult, bitter pill to swallow. Friedemarsh used to like to quote the German philosopher Hegel, who said, die to live. Of course, he had his own idea about it. And uh, he laughed one time, he said, you like that, die to live, it's nice poetry. 
Yes, but it is more than poetry. It is a bitter pill to swallow. This is our present condition. We, we are told that we're sick. We kind of believe it. Yeah, okay, we believe it. So we're brought to the medicine. But we, we are a little reluctant to take it. We take it sometimes, not all the time. We don't feel the results immediately. <laughs> so we don't know sometimes if it really works. We wonder, am I really sick? In time, with good, good association, we'll be convinced of all these things. We are sick. This, you take the medicine of Krishnanam. It is really food. In the Leela, they are living on this. Mahabhu was living on Krishnanam. The Goswamis, what did, what did Srinivasacharya say about them? Sankya Purvaka Nama Nama Gatibhi Nidraharaviharakari Vijito. They regularly chanted Krishnanam. And what was the result? They forgot to sleep. They forgot to eat. They had no sense, of, no fear, no concerns for defending themselves. If you know the extent to which you exist, then what have, what have you to worry about? We exist. We're sure of that, but we don't know the extent to which we exist. Therefore, we're fearful. Krishna Nam will comfort us, show us the extent to which we live, and more. What is our potential in life? If we really know, if we know that we exist, and then we realize the extent to which we exist, the purpose for which we exist will become very clear. Because we don't know the extent to which we exist, we're trying to ensure the extension of our existence by adding things onto our life. I'll get this, I'll get this, this is mine, that is mine. This way we're thinking we're extending the, 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 uh, uh, potential of our existence. But no. And that what, therefore, what is the purpose of our life in this, this unfortunate condition? We're on the take. We're taking. This is the very opposite of what life is about. Life, ultimately, reality is about giving. The world exists for, out of love, out of joy. Lokavatu lilakaivalyam. This reason, no reason in other words. There is no purpose to it. It is all one kind of lila or another. This is called Srishti Lila, the creation lila of Vishnu. He does it out of joy, as we were discussing earlier today, glancing on Maya. One desires to become many, to express his joy. So joy, love, as I, as I many times said, is about giving, not about taking. So when we seek to extend the extent to which we exist by taking from the environment, identifying things as mine, to in, 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 ensure the endurance of our, our sense of I, this has nothing to do with what life is really about. This is about taking, exploiting. Life is about giving, loving. So when by the grace of Krishnanam we know the extent to which we live, then we know what we live for. Live to give. For Ananda, Ananda Mayo Bhyasat. The Absolute is made of Ananda. By nature it is Ananda, joyful. We are a particle of that. So, we hear this, we get some understanding with our head, and so then we, we, we begin to take what appears to be medicine. We have to listen to that Swami talk. Sometimes he's long-winded also. And my legs are uncomfortable and, and so forth. And, so, and then I have to meditate. And Swami says you have to meditate, <laughs> to chant, sit. Yes, sounds good. Medi it all sounds good. But when I sit to do that, oh, uh, so many other things come to my mind. I'm not feeling ecstasy by meditating on Krishna Nam because it is medicine now, in this stage. But if we're convinced we have to take the medicine, then we take the medicine, that same medicine will become food. Now, a hungry person has no problem eating. And if he's very hungry, he 
will eat anything. Ruchi has two stages. Oh, I have some hunger. The lower side of Ruchi, I have some hunger. And so if Kirtan is done very nicely, if the talk about Krishna, Harikata is done with poetic embellishments and so forth, I find some bliss in that. When Ruchi becomes more developed, more hunger in other words. It's an interesting idea. The more hungry we are, the more advanced we are. If a hungry if a young boy is hungry, it's a sign of good health. If he doesn't have hunger, then we wonder well, why you're not eating? Young boy only? When his hunger develops further, his taste develops further, this is all Shreya Kairabhatandrika Coming from that side, ah, he gets has a taste or something is coming. Then he can relish Krishna Nam if it's chanted off key or uh, anyone talking about Krishna, he, f- he finds some relish there. Next stage, it is the life of transcendental knowledge. So life of transcendental knowledge, this means then asakti. In this stage, one uh, taste be- increases to what's called attachment. It's just like we're attached to material things that are close to us. Attachment to... Ruchi is about taste for bhakti and asakti is about attachment to the object of our bhakti, Krishna. And we start to see him in a particular way that corresponds with our own heart. And this is the life of transcendental knowledge. In other words, Krishna is by gyantattva, non-dual knowledge, but his life, his his soul, is is the devotion that makes him move, makes him dance. Krishna corresponds with what? The bhakti in the heart of his devotees. He's appearing relative to their devotion. This is Beda Bed, one and different. Where is Krishna? In the heart of his devotee. He is that love, the absolute appearing, responding to the love. So this love is a particular kind of sentiment for Krishna, is the life of transcendental knowledge. And then anandam buddhibhardhanam pratipadam punamritas vadanam. These two, ever-increasing ocean of bliss and... uh, like um, satisfaction at, at every step. This is now in Bhava Bhakti, uninterrupted meditation upon Krishna, cultivating that which we glimpsed at Asakti. Now it is the Sudhasattva has fully has begun to manifest, and to cultivate that and turn that into into prem sarvatma snapanam. This means, Savratmasnapanam is the last stage. It means what? It means all things cleansed, in and out. Anarthas completely removed at the stage of prema. So in this way, in a cryptic fashion, Mahaprabhu has spoken about all these different stages, which are the glory, if you will, of Sri Krishna Sankirtan in terms of its its uh, efficacy, what will manifest in different stages, and see how great they are. Again, this should awaken faith in us for chanting Krishna. They are great. The small thing, the beginning effect, Chitto Dharpanam Arjunam, Baba Mahadavagani, these things are the goal of other paths. To get liberation from the negative effects of, of material existence. This is the goal of uh, jnana, the goal of yoga. This is the beginning of Mahaprabhu's, um, the result of Mahaprabhu's Sankirtan. So if we understand these things, and of course we'll go through them in the following days in some detail as we go from verse to verse, we think, my God, why would anybody in their right mind do anything other than Krishna Sankirtan? And that's what Mahaprabhu is saying here when he says, Parambijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtanam. Again, this last, this verse is about awakening faith 
and the, the, the last line, in it, which of course comes out as the first line in the English translation, Param Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtanam. He says, let there be chanting, congregational chanting of Krishna Nam only, alone. Param means supreme, but it also means exclusive. Let there be exclusively only Krishna Nam Sankirtan. This statement is synonymous with the idea of Shraddha, the very definition of Shraddha, faith, which is the beginning of the path of Shuddha Bhakti. How is that? It's synonymous with what, 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 what Mahabharata said here, is synonymous with what Krishna has said in Bhagavad Gita at the end. He says, you know it, the conclusion of Bhagavad Gita. That's right. Sarvadharman prityaja mahamikam saranam braja. Now, can you put these two together? Param vijayate Sri Krishna sankirtanam. Sarvadharman prityaja mahamikam saranam braja. Krishna says, Sarvadharman, all other paths, which means the objects of all those other paths, all of the gods that they uh, propitiate, and goddesses, the goals that are achieved, the prayogen, all of the sadhanas and all of the sadhyas, retire them, put them aside. Sometimes we hear this verse of the Gita, we think this is such a high thing. Surrender everything. Serve me alone. But what Krishna is really saying there is that this is the, the, the doorway to bhakti. This is the doormat. In this way, Shraddha and Sharanagati are synonymous. Sharanagati means to be surrendered and Shraddha means to have faith. Because Krishna is saying, Give up all other gods and goddesses. Worship me alone. Forget about any other path to augment your your life. Just uh, engage in Krishna Bhakti. No other spiritual path. So we are all engaging in Bhakti because why? Because we we agree with that. That means we have Shraddha. This is the definition of Shraddha. You follow? Worship Krishna alone, no one else. And of course, Mahabharata is coming after Krishna Lila, where Bhagavad Gita was spoken, what for? To show us how to do that. This is in one sense the purpose of Mahaprabhu's visit, in terms of his Lila being Acharya Lila, as we've been discussing. Krishna says, surrender. So people sometimes ask, how do you do that? How do I surrender? Well, Krishna himself has come to show us how. And he says, Parambhijayate, Sri Krishna Sankirtan. Do only Nam Sankirtan. Nothing else. This is the Samyak uh, Sankirtanam. Sam means complete. Sankirtanam. Complete. It is complete form of worship both quantitatively and qualitatively. Quantitatively, it automatically includes others. Even if you do it alone. Growing with cartels, when I was young, and uh, joined Prabhupada's mission, I used to go out by myself in Hollywood, <laughs> Los Angeles, in Hollywood on the streets, with cartels. And uh, I would chant for 20 minutes, then I would stop and I would distribute books for two hours, and then I would chant, and then I would distribute books, and then I would chant. I used to ride the bus there from the temple. After a while, there was a real nice uh, Negro man who was the bus driver, and he used to tell people when they, he, he had a route which continually went that way, and so he dropped me off at 10 in the morning, and he'd keep coming. And when he stopped there, he said, Now, you get off that bus, go see that boy there. He knows what he's talking about. Hmm? <laughs> Give him his books. <laughs> so, the point is that even if you go alone for Sankirtan, automatically other people are included. So, it is, it is complete in this way because it involves more than one. And it is complete also qualitatively. Mahaprabhu said, Sri Krishna Sankirtanam. Yes, this is the Yuga Dharma, Nam Sankirtan. 
But this is a special dispensation of Namsan and Kirtan. Because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is speaking this, and he's coming just in the wake of Krishna's appearance. Krishna comes once in the day of Brahma. Not every Dwapa Yuga. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Anarpita Charim Charat. Anarpita Charim Charat. Karunayabhatina Kalo. Samarapahitam. Comes very seldom. Not for a long time. It means every time that Krishna himself comes to experience his Naralila. We talked about this a little bit this morning on earth. Following that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes to explain it to us and how to take advantage of it. He's showing that practically. So this is very special because along with his showing what Krishna is speaking about in the Gita, which is difficult to understand, but not as difficult as it is to understand his Brajalila. Of course, that verse takes us there. Sarvadharman Pratyaja to the Brajalila. Mahaprabhu Sankirtan is coming to explain that and to give us access to that because he is Krishna, trying to taste that from the vantage point of Radha. So it's a very special time. time the con, in the, within the context of the Yuga Dharma, which is Namkirtan for Kali Yuga, something very special is being given at the same time. Not just liberation to Vaikuntha. Not just, what is it called? Uh, Taraka Brahma, Nam. That Nam that delivers one. But no, it gives a special kind of attainment as well. Very special Sankirtan. So Sankirtan, complete, is complete quantitatively and qualitatively. This kind of Kirtan. He says, Sri Krishna Sankirtan. Who is Sri? This is the Kirtan of Krishna under the influence of Radha. Well, this is a very special kind of Kirtan he's giving. Param Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtan. He says, do this only. And faith, Shraddha, is that sense that if I do this only, perform Krishna Sankirtan, I have a sense everything will I could possibly want and more will come from that. I don't need to do anything else to ensure my success in life, ultimately, than Nam Sankirtan. This is, of course, a wonderful thing because any other type of attainment in the, uh, in, in, in the hierarchy of material existence and, and beyond is, is, is very um, laborious and troublesome in comparison. It's sub- therefore, it's sublime. Prabhupada, I remember I first saw that on the incense pack. Chant this mantra and your life will be sublime. I began chanting from that day on. I haven't stopped since. So Shraddha, this verse is for awakening Shraddha. This is the beginning. So appropriately it comes here in the beginning of Shikshastakam. By trumpeting the glories of Krishna Sankirtan and speaking directly about the very idea of faith and how it is synonymous with Sharanagati. Obviously, Sharanagati and Shraddha, um, as I've spoken before, what uh, the culture of these things involves is an intensification of them that we then call different names. The intensification of Shraddha, which faith which comes from persons who have it, is that we, we begin to live exclusively in the company of such people. Or we consider such people our primary group of association, Sadhu Sangha. So from Shraddha to Sadhu Sangha. Sadhu Sangha, if we take Sadhu Sangha, then we, we learn how to increase our faith by certain practices. They're called Bhajana Kriya. If we do that Bhajana Kriya, doubts are removed. That's Anartanivritti. That means we have more faith then faith becomes nishta, very firm, irrevocable, and it turns into uh, into um, into the, the positive uh, a, a beginning experience of a world that is uh, really 
a world of faith. There's the land of faith, and there's a land of doubt, about which we should have no doubt. We're living there. We're questioning, we're doubting. There's a land of faith. It's a tangible reality. Bhagavad Gita says as much. What does he say in the 17th chapter? Shraddho, shraddho mayo, I am Purushaha. He says, a person, Krishna says, a person is his or her faith. Faith is a, a very extraordinary thing. Sometimes people say, well, anyway, it doesn't matter what you believe in, but if you believe in it, that's cool. Now we might say, wait a minute, it does matter what you believe in. That's true. But the fact of the matter is that faith in and of itself is virtuous. Faith in and of itself is sattvic, under which mode of nature we're primarily influenced by, that will determine what the object of our faith is, which will then determine just how virtuous our faith is. But that conviction in life, what that first person said, oh, whatever, it doesn't matter what you believe in, as long as you believe in it. Uh, there's some truth to that. To have faith means to have life. If we have no conviction about anything, then what, <laughs> what kind of life will we lead? So faith is universally accepted as being virtuous, and it is so. This is the teaching of the Gita. But what our object of faith becomes will be determined by the nature of our conditioning. So there is a t tangible reality called faith. Sri Ramarsh once called planet, described it as planets of faith, the Vaikuntha. No doubts there. In other words, people are moving freely. It's not an intellectually um, driven existence. Descartes said, I doubt, therefore I am. I question things. I think about things, therefore I am. There's no, it's, it's non-thinking there, in a sense. It's all feeling. The heart is ruling entirely. Everyone moving according to the heart, like you do at home. At home, you don't read the label what's on it. Mother says, eat this. You know, well, what's in it, Mom? You know, she loves me. Okay, must be good. Like a child. Doesn't hesitate to take the breast of his mother and drink milk. Putanas are very rare, you know. They find someone like that in Krishna. And Krishna didn't hesitate to take her breast milk. This is the land of Braj there. Everything moving with faith. And in the Prakat Leela, where some other element may enter, it's converted by that. Even Putana got Vatsalya Bhakti, Vatsalya Rasa. Incredible, incredible. So there's a tangible reality, a world of faith, if you will. And this is the world of doubt. Beyond questioning. Now we listen with our intellect and we question what Swami says. and We let us something go in and we agrees with our head, we let it go in our heart. But the Swamis are very tricky because they enter our heart anyway, just by their own heart, expressing their own heart, beyond the words and the logic with which what they feel is being presented to address us who speak through the, the language of logic, at least in reason, hopefully, because that's the language we speak. So we combine our feeling like this. Kaviraj Goswami has made a logical presentation of what? Of his feeling, his existence, his faith. And so we, we, we listen to that, but we are told if we listen to that, even if we don't understand it, we don't agree, it still goes in and captures our heart. We find people like that all the time. They don't even... They don't understand the books, all of them. They don't even agree with all of them, but they still like Krishna consciousness. Anyway, it doesn't matter, they think. In the beginning stage, this may happen. So ruchi means to get some beginning touch there. Sharnagati is now fully in place. Shraddha is now fully in place. It started how in our life? By being in contact with the person who had it. And now... Attaining this stage, Ruchi, 
Shaya Kairava Chandrika Bhattaranam. You have faith. In other words, you are starting to move by your heart, by taste, by feeling. And you have a logic that is that, that is follows that. Not a logic to support the idea of a life of feeling, but a life of feeling that has a logic of its own. It can never be converted. It's on safe ground, Vasadika, at this stage. With this because the heart is beginning to rule his life then he comes up with whatever logic is necessary to clear any questions, doubts, to proceed. The path is clear. It's illumined by his heart. It intensifies, as I said, from attachment to bhakti to attachment to the object. Vidya Bhava Bhava anandam buddhi bhardhanam He enters an ocean of, of joy, he, in which he's a particle. You cannot imagine the measure of the joy that uh, this stage brings us. Therefore, it's described as oceanic. Pratipadam purnamitasvadanam. At every step, uninterrupted. Savatmasnapanam parambijayate. Completely cleansed. This all is a development of faith, as I say. This is all a development of sharanagati, of, of surrender. Surrender is in place, the stage is in place at Ruchi. Then the drama of Krishna Lila begins to enact itself in the heart at Asakti. The, the, the players are assembling and starts in Bhava Bhakti and reaches its, uh, its uh, what do they call it? the climax in Prema Bhakti and continues on. Nature of the climax, continuing forever and ever and ever. So, in this way, Mahaprabhu has in the very first verse spoken in such a way as to awaken faith in Krishna Nam, exclusive faith in Krishna, Krishna Nam Sankirtan, is the only dispensation he has told us in, previously in other places for Kali Yuga. Here in Chaitanya Charitamrita we find it's a special type of Namsan Kirtan, as I've described. Param Bijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtanam. Any question? Yes. Is it possible that like, a devotee who has been practicing very long his like spiritual practices still doesn't get enough strata to like, get further. <coughs> I mean, he's been practicing for a, a long time, but he doesn't make progress? Yeah, it seems like he's doing, or she's doing everything right. Um, it's possible that progress will be slow for a couple of reasons. One is that may it may seem like he or she is doing everything right, but they may not be. That's also possible. May look like they're doing everything right. Uh, we'll read tomorrow morning about Raghunath uh, Bhattu Goswami in our section of Chaitanya Charitamrita that we're reading. Actually, this evening, after Arctic, shortly. I don't know if we'll get to that, but at least tomorrow morning we'll get there. Raghunath Bhattu Goswami came to Puri from Varanasi with one other bhakta who was constantly chanting the name of Ram. It looked like he was doing everything right. But when they got to Puri, Mahaprabhu didn't even want to see that fellow. He had some different idea, some confusion. So the problem may be subtle. It may not be visible to the ordinary eye. He may be going through or she may be going through the motions and so forth, but we... I've seen problems like this. They may go through the motions, but they don't have a proper understanding of tattva. And so when more developed ideas on the path come to them, more developed than the stage that they're on, they sometimes uh, go against those ideas, create some offense. 
So that is one reason why progress may be very slow or nil. And another reason is that progress may be slow depending upon one's background. One comes to bhakti for different reasons. If one comes out of out of self-seeking or out of uh, knowledge, then progress will be much quicker than if one comes with with a much more cluttered heart. Another thing also to consider is what's a long time. So I'll give you a short story to illustrate that point. Once a, a, a number of uh, Saraswati Thakur's disciples came to him. They'd been practicing for ten years, pretty long time. They thought and they said that uh, Maharaj, Guru Maharaj, we have a doubt. Well, what is that, he asked. He said, well, for ten years now we've been practicing. And you're always talking about high things, and we don't find that those high things are actually coming inside of us. But for ten years now we've been practicing very diligently. And he said, oh, I'm relieved to hear that. If you had said, after ten years, Guru Maharaj, we're finding all of these high things are developing in us, he said, then I would be worried that you had misunderstood. He said, yes, they are high things, and ten years is, is, is nothing, is, 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 a, is a very small period of time. We should try to th- not to think in terms of time, how long it will take, we should we should uh, think that um, try to develop some sense of necessity for all of this. And then you find joy in doing it. Um, you know, there's another nice story that of, of Mukunda, who made some offense to Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu banished him from his company, and so the devotees feeling naturally compassionate towards him, went to visit with him, and he had only one question. Please ask Mahaprabhu when I will get his darshan again. So they went to Mahaprabhu, and they said, we've been with Mukunda. Mahaprabhu said, oh, what does he want? He said, well, he only wants one thing. He wants to know, when again will he get your darshan? And he said, oh, you tell him not for a million lifetimes. So they were mortified to hear such a thing. Then they went to Mukunda, as they were duty-bound to do, to, re- to bring the reply. And Mukunda eagerly asked, what did Mahabharata say? Did you see him? He said, yeah, we saw him. What did he say? So they were, again, mortified. They have to give their response. They said, well, he said, you will have his darshan not for a million lifetimes. And Mukunda began to dance and sing, Haribol, Haribol. And they thought, what, did you hear what we said? We said it will be a million lifetimes. He said, yes, I know. Well, why are you, why, they said, why are you happy? He said, because I will get it. That's all I want to know. What is the value of that? So then they went back, shaking their heads, bewildered, thinking, wow. And they went to Mahaprabhu, and Mahaprabhu then said, what did you see, Mukunda? What did he say? Actually, he was, of course, very much in love with Mukunda. And uh, they said, yes, we saw him. And he began to dance, saying, I will get, I will get. Uh, Mahaprabhu said, bring him here immediately. <laughs> so, we should, um, we should not be discouraged if it appears that others are not making advancement. We should apply ourselves. We should not be dependent upon others. And if we ourselves are not making advancement, and we're sure we're doing everything right, then we can ask our guru, we can get further clarification how we can make progress. But progress is not r- really difficult if you apply yourself. It doesn't matter what situation. Grihetako, vanetako, sadahari boledako. Whether you're a sannyasi or a householder. If you have faith, simply in Namsan Kirtan by doing this, my life will become perfect. Then you don't have to worry about giving so many things up. You have to simply worry about doing Nam. Sankirtan, very seriously. So you find some place in your house for chanting, and you chant, and you pay attention. And if you can't pay attention, you try. And you think about all these things, the ramifications of this, what is the efficacy of this, 
what, what, how could I better be spending my time? It's only two hours or so that I'll do this. And for that time, you, you just, uh, uh, whatever it takes, Bhaktivinoda talks, said, blindfold yourself, lock the door, chant, and let it echo in, the, in, in between your ears, this idea. Just put faith in this, put faith in this only. Put my full faith in this. That means you give yourself to that. You are your faith. I have faith now that's come from above, from Shastra, from Sadhus, from Mahaprabhu himself in this. Let me give myself entirely to this. If you do this, if you chant like this, like I said, this is medicine. I'm sick. I don't even know it. That's how sick I am. If you chant like that, you will definitely make progress. It will become clear to you what to do. You will know, oh, this is not helping me. This is not helping me. And things that are impeding your progress will fall away. Krishna says, Sarva Dharma Purachara, give up all other paths, just do this. But you have to just do that. It may be a little difficult to do that, like taking medicine may be a little difficult, but uh, just one strong dose every day. But you have to, there's nothing I, when I was young, like some of you, and uh, as in my early days as a practitioner, there's, there's nothing I paid more attention to than my japa. I gave my life to everything, to attention to that. Everything came from that. The japa of Krishna Sankirtan, uh, Krishna Mahamantra. You know, I was known for so many things, selling books and preaching and so forth. It all came out of that. <coughs> I would go and stand in front of the deity and chant until I became inspired. Then I would go and preach to people. That was my method. So, is it anyone can do that, you see? doesn't require any level of income or intelligence. Another question? Yes. What is the proper definition of the word Sankirtan? Because we, we hear it in so many different meanings, going out like by selling CDs or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, well, it means... Um, it means uh, collective singing of Krishna's glories, broadcasting of Krishna's glories, broadcasting Krishna's glories in such a way that others become involved. I mean, the traditional meaning is is to sing or speak out loud Krishnanam. That means if you do it yourself, still automatically other people will be involved even if there's no one around. There are so many living beings, they will hear the Krishna Nam. So as opposed to meditation, which is done silently, and is done in certain conditions and circumstances, again, as we said this morning, Jaya Sada, describing Mahaprabhu, Jaya Sada, always meditating, means implies kirtan, which can be done anywhere, at any time. There are no rules for kirtan, as we'll hear later on in Shikshastakam. So, to glorify Krishna in such a way that other people are automatically involved, or with other people. Now, this traditionally means singing the names of God. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, at the same time, gave it kind of a dynamic twist to that by his uh, idea of the Brihat Murdanga. The Murdanga, this is how the Sankirtan is parallels with uh, of Mahaprabhu with Krishna Lila. What is the primary sound in Krishna Lila that calls people together? The flute. Krishna's flute. Gayatri, Om, all the uh, the primordial mantram. It comes through is the flute sound of Krishna. Krishna calls the gopis, the cows, the cowherds with different notes on his flute. And the flute, incarnated in Sankirtan, has the Murdanga, that clay coal from Bengal. This is the flute of Krishna. And cartels are like the gopis' bangles or something. So the, <laughs> this is Sankirtan. With the drum, it means loudly, 
accompanied by the symbols, the cartels, the song is going other places. So he coined the phrase Brihat Murdanga with reference to the printing press, as he said, a big drum uh, that circulates the glories of Krishna widely, beyond the reach of the ear, which is a few, you know, a few yards and so forth, and through the drum. So uh, that was very novel, and that was a contribution of a great Acharya who did much to spread the glories of Krishna. And I don't think that we are at the liberty to then further uh, interpret that to mean many of the things that it's, 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 it's come to mean. Um, selling fruit or nuts or, or CDs or whatever. Those things may be useful in some way also for helping the mission by raising funds or, or whatever it is and, and so forth. But nowadays in America people do send kirtan. To, they go out in the street and they collect money tell some story to a person and, and and get him to give some money and tell him it's for something else other than what it's for and they keep the money for their own maintenance. And they call it Sankirtan, which is the antithesis of Sankirtan. Sankirtan is about giving to the people. They're just taking from the people. Mm-hmm. Brahmins have a right to beg because they don't keep anything for themselves. <laughs> if you beg to keep everything for yourself, what is that? So... Better to have a little bit of a conservative definition on it, of, uh, stopping with uh, the uh, innovations or the insightful uh, explanation of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur. Another question? All right. The Arctic now. Sri Krishna Sankirtan ki jai. Chaitan Charitam ki jai. Bhaktavrinda ki jai. Yeah. Oh,